everybody welcome to the pop my culture podcast i'm cole stratton and i'm vanessa raglan and my baby just burped he sure did. <laughs> and that's oliver everybody hi everyone what an introduction to the world uh <laughs> oliver's our guest today uh we have actually really great guests today we do. I'm my so personal excited. favorite kid in the hall is coming on the show yay mine yay. too actually this hey, is Bruce. such a treat it is it's we're great. recording this intro at my house because we're actually going to be at his house on location for the actual shoot that's right so uh before that we thought we'd uh, check in with you guys do a little housekeeping stuff and then uh, we'll get to bruce which is amazing yes um if you like the show leave us a review on itunes you just go to itunes and you click five stars and you write wow colin vanessa have really cracked this whole podcast thing <laughs> <laughs> except unless that's already up there then maybe don't because then it just looks weird right exactly make um, it your own make it your own that's right you can email us info at popmyculturepodcast.com we read them all and we'll write you back guest suggestions always welcome or other ideas are cool too yeah and and you can, if you've got something you want to talk to us about, really, we're open to anything. So That's right. if you've said something that rubbed you the right way or the wrong way, go ahead. Info at popmyculturepodcast.com. No dick pics. No. Unless okay. they're no, tastefully okay. shot. <laughs> yeah, if it's artistic. Right. And black and white. Yep. Or at least you have a good Instagram filter on it. Okay, really, just send us dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, we rely uh, pretty heavily on your donations to help we us sure keep this do. going. There's there's fees associated with doing a podcast. We got to host them and pay for web stuff and all that Somebody's stuff. Somebody's got to so. feed this baby that's uh, about to scream. That too. There's a donate button on our website. MyCulturePodcast.com. Yep. Click it, and every little bit you get, give goes right to us, and it really helps us out. That's so thank right. You. Thanks, guys. And, uh, well, let's just get to Bruce, shall we? Let's. He's wonderful. All right, let's do this. Here we yeah. go. Uh, our guest today, well, he is a fantastic writer, actor, comedian. He wears lots of hats. Uh, he's he's uh, right now. Yeah, he's my personal favorite kid in the hall, and Vanessa's too. Kidding. Bruce McCullough is here. Hey, woo, Bruce. Woo, woo. Um, the hat he's referring to is my wig. <laughs> I look like a young William Shatner now, but it's thank you so much. Beautiful. Yep, it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Actually, when we got here, we're at Bruce's beautiful place. Uh, he took us Should to his Should we give the address wig. on it? Yeah. Starter Mansion. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on Starter Mansion Row. Yep. <laughs> it's a cul-de-sac. When we first arrived, he took us to his wig and hat room. It's like a whole wing of the house is just dedicated yeah. to, to different. And then there's a really small room that has all my awards in it. Ooh. <laughs> like, we haven't seen that one yet. Like one of the uh, best 100,000 Canadians working in America. Oh, in congratulations. It's very prestigious. Yeah. yeah. And it costs them so much to make that 100,000 different awards. <laughs> Just but the Canada sheer does volume. it because they're so nice. Yeah, they're so nice. Like, they're we like, want to make sure we recognize everyone. I have to be honest. Right. That isn't a real award I got. I was just Aww. feeling bad. I did, hadn't gotten many awards in my life Aww. till now. So I made up one, and that was probably a stupid one to make up. I've got a slew of participation. It was pretty braggy of you. <laughs> i got a slew of participation uh, little certificates that they give you, you know, when you're a kid. When you don't actually do well enough, but they're like, here's a piece of paper that shows that you tried. Have you saved any of that, like any award ephemera from your life? Oh, yeah. Well, I, the Geminis I actually won for Canadian stuff were found in the pool once, I think, <gasps> after we had a drink. Um, <laughs> no, and, what does it mean? And when I was actually 14, I was a, a football star. So I got a huge, I got a huge trophy and uh, the next day or week, I threw it out. And my Whoa. stepmom got really mad at me. And I was <gasps> like, I don't want to live in the past, mom. <laughs> and then I was like thinking this kid. there'd be lots of big football trophies <laughs> after that. 
and there was not. That was the story is. Trophy. You're Hold probably getting on one your, trophy, yeah, buddy. You all get one trophy. I had this little trophy for uh, this little, like, it's called bowling camp, but it wasn't really camp. It was basically like, it was one week, like Monday through Friday. It's from where like, you got all the puss of your life. Yeah, from like 10 a.m. to like 4 p.m. And you just like learned to bowl and bowl a couple games. And there's a tournament at the end of the week. And this was when I was like 14. And my friend had done it the year before. And he got third place and got this giant trophy. It was huge. And I was like, oh, I want a trophy. So we did it. And like, I bowled amazingly well. And like, I bowled like a 194. He's so bragging like right now. But no, it was like the best I've ever bowled, right? And that so, doesn't make it okay to toot your horn so hard. But I was like excited. I was like, oh my God, I got first place. And like, they scaled back their like money that they had. So the trophy is like this tiny Aww. little thing with a little ticker tape on it. This is like what, like, you know, bowling camp, first place. So I have it still. It's this tiny little thing, but it's just hilarious. I was like, last year my friend got third, and he got this giant thing. And oh well. Is, is this a podcast about trophies? It's about <laughs> it's a trophy cast. It's a trophy cast. Welcome to the trophy cast. So oh, let's start out with this. Okay. Um, there's a uh, Michael Jackson kind of back right now in a way. Uh, his hologram appeared at the uh, Billboard Music Awards doing a, a performance of the song "Slave to the Rhythm," which is on his post album Escape, which came out three years, I guess, after his death. That was a brave pronunciation choice. I don't know how to say that word. I always see it. Um, I always say posthumous. posthumous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. So yeah. So his posthumous <laughs> performance. Uh, so I don't know. Did you guys see the video of the hologram? I saw it. It's, I'll, I'll say for the sake of the podcast, I did. Sure. Right. Yeah. It's kind of an opinion about it. <laughs> it's kind of creepy um, and weird. Yeah. It's. Compl- I mean, just the idea of it's weird. He didn't decide to do that. Well, it's reminiscent of the Disney film, as all things are, Blackbeard's Ghost. <laughs> it always movie. comes it back to this. Good, it wasn't a really good-looking right, you know, ghost <laughs> and stuff. You could clean but him up better. There and you could hear him well. So I think right. that's, that's the thing with ghosts. That is. Which is, you, you know, at least let us hear you. Right. We miss you so much. I used to love Blackbeard's Ghost. That was like one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Doesn't really hold up. But it does not hold no, up. No, but still. Don't worth revisit a look. things like that. Just keep them. Just keep them pure in your memory. Yeah. Where they existed before. But the ghost in Mr. Chicken does. It oh, does. Knotts movie. Of course it does. It does. does hold up. Everything Don Knotts did holds up. I saw him do this like benefit show in San Francisco like, a couple years before he died, and he was, did a bit where he was like doing a speech, and he was all shaky, and I so badly wanted to shout out Attaboy Luther, but I just, did, I just didn't do it. But I, really I wanted think it's to. good that you didn't, because it could have disturbed yeah, him. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't. Yeah. But I really wanted to. Oh, man. Sometimes we just have to fight for what we don't want. That's true. So, okay, so uh, to go hand in hand When are we going to do the podcast? Oh, not for a while. This is it, Bruce. Not for a while. And then hand in hand with that, uh, his album came out the same day as the new Black Black Keys album. And they're not very happy about it and had some comments that weren't too nice. Uh, uh, To quote uh, Patrick uh, Carney from the band. Oh, Pat. It's the classic story of Dan and I. We wanted to have a number one album, but Michael Jackson releases something from the grave and cock blocks us. And it's some fucking bullshit that sucks so bad that it took them three years after he died to make it listenable. Like, he had to be dead for three years for it to be released. That's what they said. It doesn't start out so mean. It does get mean. It kind of does. Well, aren't they on the cover of Rolling Stone this week? Yeah. So they're okay. They're doing all right. They're doing okay. Black Keys are selling a lot of records. Yeah, and there's... You know, there's only two of them. Yep. So, I mean, I love them. Um, but there's only two of them. So I think they're doing okay. They're going to be okay. And 
Michael Jackson isn't doing okay, so we don't have to be mad at him. No, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> he's, he's not, not going to hear these comments and be upset. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he is. We don't know what happens. Um, hologram. Maybe he's been following the Black Keys around on tour. It's his favorite band. And now he's like oh. like forlorn and like a mopey. Oh, that's a good question. What band would you haunt? Me? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess the Black Keys now. It seems like there's money in it. Yeah. And you could hang out with Michael Jackson. Um, I would haunt um, Mott the Hoople. All right. Only because I just thought of whatever my brain was going to say, and it was going to be Mott the Hoople. Like a real uh, improviser. Yeah, like a real improviser. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you do it, kids. Hey, I'm warmed up. Let's start the podcast. No, we're not doing a podcast today. We can't do it today. I've got a thing. <laughs> this is the pre-read for the podcast. <laughs> we spend like an hour with you. We record it. We go back and we think about it. We, and then we know how we're we going to approach the actual podcast. Do it. So this we're... is a general meeting with no goal. Yeah. yeah. Great. Basically. That's what most general meetings are, though. So then you guys are big fans, like, yeah. as usual. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Indeed. <laughs> big fan. Uh, did you guys see the thing about Macklemore? Uh, so Macklemore is a Seattle rapper. Of course I know. And uh, in case the listeners don't know. Really? Does uh, he do that bebop music? <laughs> Dad, just He's hang a bebopper. <laughs> uh, he did a show, like a small show in Seattle, and picked what he said was a random costume. Have you seen but it? It's like a bull cut, uh, like a Hasidic looking beard, and like a witch nose. So it it's, looks like a really bad It looks Jewish like stereotype. a Shylock, like bad, bad news. Well, even, you know, Five Monkeys... Typing at random can be racist. <laughs> That's like they always say. That's true. <laughs> and most of them are. It's weird. It just always weird. comes out that way. It doesn't take Those them long dirty at all. Ra- racist monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> so he he just tweeted that like it was a random like costume that I just picked out for fun. I didn't mean to offend anybody. It's not a stereotype, but it's no, you see photos of there's it. There's no way. I mean, but I guess it's, it's working because here we are. This is what celebrity is. They make you talk about them. But it's like he's already pretty big and doing okay for himself. I don't think he needed to drum up publicity by doing something like this. But he hadn't really made a splash in the Hasidic community. Until <laughs> no. It's a no, very specific community, and they're very hard to reach. Yeah, and right. he's like, you know. well, I'm just going to zero in on him. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's what this concert's for. <laughs> the, 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 the three albums he sold in the Hasidic <laughs> community are taking, being taken but to that, secondhand shops right now. good. They, have, they don't like his music so much, so that's good. Everybody's even. Yeah. <laughs> that should be the title. We're even. Macklemore. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it was just weird to me. And it's. And when I saw the picture, I really did. I was looking at my computer in bed, little baby beside me, and I just went, oh! Like, it was shocking. I mean, it feels like. It felt like somebody putting on blackface. I mean, to the point of it just being like a very uncomfortable thing to do. Well, the, of course, the saddest part of that is you put down your young newborn child to check. <laughs> Was it TMZ or whatever you? Oh no, I never had him up in the first place. Right, he just stays down. He just stays. <laughs> yeah, in the cardboard got, box. That, yeah, yeah. I got too <laughs> much got stuff to look at. I got a social media presence. <laughs> what am I going to do with this baby? <laughs> just kidding. I love you, baby. He listens to the podcast. He loves I love you, it. baby. I love you, baby. I, love I just more. wondered, like, if okay, if it was a random costume, how much stuff was he digging through? Where he decided yeah, who on this costume? combination who and looked costume? in the mirror and went like, "Yep, this doesn't remind me of anything." Nailed Let's go on stage and see. Well, what maybe happens. he vetoed several more uh, obvious racist costumes first. 
Right. Like he had a clan outfit and he was like, mm, too much. Or maybe he would want to dress like Anne of Green Gables, but he wasn't brave enough. Oh, right. that's a good moral. You were in the Anne of Green Gables movie. Yes, I was. I love Anne of Green Gables. Oh, I was just hoping someone would bring it up. <laughs> I don't know I how mean, we got I mean, here. I don't know how it was we... so organic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Took you all five minutes to just plug that oh, movie. Yeah. You're still living on those residuals, huh? I actually do get the odd little brown colored check from oh, from, from Avonlea too, from the Avonlea Productions. <laughs> They're always so welcome. When um, we've been here a while, but whenever we get any residual check. It's like a joke. We celebrate. Even if it's like 49 cents, we go, yeah. And my wife and I, it's the only time we ever high five. It's like, yeah, we did it. Wow, we're living. And, but that one's actually not been, I think we've made, I've made more money from that from the, than the kids in the hall. I think. No. I think. Yeah, I think I have. A, Absolutely. What's like the smallest residual check you can ever remember getting? Oh, certainly under, I've several under a dollar, like several. Why did they send those? Wouldn't they, can't they just save it for a well, while? Well, I think mentally they think some actors are just sitting there when they're not in Starbucks writing a screenplay. They're worried about the residuals. So if you send them something, the, it's like they a weird know miss you're of, on the radar kind of thing. You, just think, you could think, oh, okay, well, that's all I get. At least, at least they're thinking about me. So 37 cents isn't too shabby. Yeah. Okay. It's almost Fine. a forever stamp. <laughs> almost. Yeah. I think, I think mine was like a dollar 21 or something, but like there's a bar in LA called residuals. Where, oh really? Yeah, where I think you can take your residual checks in, and if it's like lower than a certain amount, they give you like a discounted drink or a free drink. Or Did a, you just make that up? No, it's real. It's you, the, the, the part of that is you said think. Yeah. So we made. You, yeah. I don't, I don't know the exact, it's a fishy. I don't know the deal that you get when you take your residual checks in there, but there is a bar called Residuals, and it is a thing that. And what do they do at Casting Couch Bar? <laughs> oh, you should just go. Give it a try. Yeah. Wear something pretty, honey. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I <laughs> it ends in a shame shower where you're crying for hours. Oh, but, uh, that's, so that's a separate bar. Shame shower. The shame shower bar. It, that is most bars in LA, though, I guess. Right? Or the morning after most. I had this idea years ago. I was like, I want to open up a bar called Dive Bar, but it's a nautical-themed bar that has, like, old-school, like, 20,000 Leagues Under it's the Sea. It's been done. That's like and a like... Kevin McDonald scene that doesn't quite make it to air. <laughs> <laughs> this was just a pitch session. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, cute. Kev. Okay, moving on. Well, <laughs> I mean, I've had several meetings with Pankers trying to get this loan for Dive Bar, but it's never panned out. Maybe someday. Yeah. But hopefully not. Yeah. Well, all right. My dream is not to own a bar. Yeah, that's a good dream. <laughs> I had the idea and I thought that'd be kind of cool. And then I went like, I don't want to, why would I even go down this path? You shouldn't. You shouldn't. Nope. And I will not. <laughs> Stay the path you're on, Cole. Thanks. Podcast. 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 <laughs> Maybe later. There's probably, probably more money in a bar. But, uh, but podcasting's fun. When we get around to it. Yeah. Every once in a while. You had some. I'm one year, and I uh, was. I think it was on Shame Based Manor, maybe Drunk Baby Project, where you had some caller go ahead stuff. That's correct. Uh, what uh, did you ever work at a radio station in college or anything? Um, you know, I actually worked at a radio station in high school, um, but we really, would, but we would never, we would never talk on the mic. So we would just go in there. And every day we'd play Stairway to Heaven at 78 RPMs, and we were fucking hated. So that was the thing. I would just play, and then I'd play Keep Yourself Alive by Queen and think I was cool. And then I'd walk out into the foyer where it was supposed to be changing minds, and it wasn't. Um, but So yeah, in, in high school, I had a radio 
we had a radio show. Wait, where did this happen? This happened in a, in a little town called Canada. Oh, I've heard yeah, of that. Yeah. It's supposed to be yeah. super quaint. Yeah, it's yeah. super great. So, Wait, was it a radio station for your high school? Or yeah, was just it... for the high school. Oh, okay. Yeah, which was basically a speaker into a couple places where they... <laughs> they couldn't get away from yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was post-trophy. This was post-trophy, pre-whatever um, it is I ended up doing. Yeah. Yeah, what is it? Yeah. That's the podcast. That's what we're about to start going on. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to hit record any minute now, <laughs> and it's going to be magical. We're recording. We're recording. Wait, what? This whole time? Yeah. Can we take out the part about dive bar? <laughs> no, that's staying in, buddy. Because <laughs> you want someone to, you're worried someone's going to steal your shitty idea? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin McDonald. <laughs> hey. That could be a sketch. I, I need a new sketch for the show. <laughs> I've been in Boston. <laughs> That's my Kevin McDonald, ladies and gentlemen. That and I had my finger fair. in the air, too, which is what Kevin does. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, well, let's talk a little bit about the kids. Why not? Let's do it. Uh, so if we're not going to talk about Anna Green Gables, let's just talk about Kids in the Hall. Oh, we can we talk about it. We can talk about Anna Green yeah. Gables. No, 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 no. Conspiracy had that. She's yeah. in love with it. And you got to be in a carriage. Yeah. <laughs> How was that? <laughs> I didn't mean to make take you back. <laughs> well, I was going to let her go with this it. This is the crown to... jewel of your career. Yeah. I mean, to some. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I could really focus on that most of this. But overall, because you don't do many projects that aren't directly related to comedy work. None. So yeah. why Anne of Green Gables? I did Anne of Green Gables because the, uh, the casting director, uh, Diane Pauly, actually, who was one of the original 30 Helens Agree uh, for you nerds, <laughs> um, she was a casting director. And so she knew the, the guy who's doing it, Kevin uh, whatever his name is Sullivan and so I came and I said oh I have 10 lines can I can I just read them all together instead of like doing a bunch of scenes so I just read them and for some reason they gave me that part oh my gosh they just wanted you real bad yeah and then was it dreamy there Uh, it was kind of fun it was actually kind of fun but um I'd never really been on a set before so I didn't understand I I think the show was just starting then or hadn't quite started then I didn't quite understand that I didn't run my world Mm. That I had to go where I was supposed to, and I had to wear what I want, was what they told, told to wear, you, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So that was that was a bit weird for me. Where did they film it? Uh, outside, about an hour outside of Toronto. Oh, okay. Which is places uh, very we kids in the hall shot there as well. Many many places you can just rent it, but it's very idyllic, of course. Mm, I went to Prince Edward Island for my honeymoon because I love Anne of Green Gables so uh-huh. much. Wow. Super normal, right? Well, I'm big friends with Megan Follows. If you uh, want, to. is that true? Yeah, I am. Oh, oh. oh God. Okay, Cole, you're gonna have to spearhead the comedy because I need a minute. <laughs> right. First, See? I was driving on she, these curvy roads, and now this. Aren't you glad I brought it back to? Anna? I am. There you Thank go. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> big fan. All right, Kids in the Hall. We'll go there. Yeah. Okay. Great. All right. Cool. So um, originally, you started out by doing comedy like at theater sports. Is that where you, you met Mark? There is yep. that cool. And then um, so you guys all kind of took separate paths. Um, and eventually, where did you guys finally meet up, the five of you? And well, Mark and I started in Calgary, and we started doing improv. And then we started writing. We asked if we could do scenes after the improv show. And so we'd write a couple scenes. We'd do like Naked for Jesus or Dave's I Know or whatever mm. those things were. And for some reason, when you're young and dumb, it kind of worked. And so very quickly, people started staying and then eventually coming just to see us. And our show got longer and we had our own show. So, yeah, we, we started in Calgary, just Mark and I. And then we were there about 
uh, nine months doing shows and we're quite successful. And it was like, I said, we have to move. We have to go to Toronto because I'm the, I'm the little ferret of the group. I'm the, <laughs> I'm the A-type. And so we moved to Toronto and that's where we met Kevin and Dave. And then last came the beautiful Scott Thompson. Well, when it was you and Mark, what was your career aspiration when you guys met? Were you just doing improv for fun or? Well, I like- didn't know. I like, I think I thought like I, I've always written stuff down. I think yeah. I thought I was going to be, like maybe write stuff for National Lampoon mm-hmm. or maybe like I listened to the Woody Allen records, you know, and yeah. I, I, I didn't know. I think I thought I, I wanted to be a writer, but I didn't know what that meant. And then uh, I was taking actually journalism in, in uh, college, community college, and I went to theater sports and was like, oh, this is my place. Hmm. And I felt almost sexual energy in, in that. And so I didn't really know. And then I think at some point it was like, yeah, I guess we want our own show. Yeah. But it, there, you know, there was no path. So we, there was no articulate thing other than just do it. Well, and I like stories like these, especially from this time when it was all a lot different with like young comics coming up because no one usually in the group is like super savvy in terms of industry, quote unquote. So it's always interesting, like what part, at what point of the journey did it turn into like, oh, this is our career now? Well, it is weird. I remember like our first trip to LA to do a show. We were doing a show at the the Roxy. And I remember Dave going, we're all moving here, you know? And I thought, fuck you, we're never moving. <laughs> and it, and it, I think when we had any problems within the group in, at, at certain times, I mean, we'd always fight over what sketch was better yeah. or who was getting what or, or whatever or waiting for someone or someone wants a week off when they shouldn't. But it was because we didn't really discuss what we wanted from the world, what we wanted from this thing. It was just we were in a band and we didn't go like, do we want to be big? Do we want to make money? Do we want to tour? Do we want to be larger? Do we want to have our own company? So I think, um, yeah, it took a long time for us to figure out certainly the business of it. And even Mm -hmm. now, even now we're doing some shows. We're doing some shows next month in Boston and Chicago and a bunch of places. But it's like... The business part of our brain is is almost retarded, and we're skilled at a lot of other things. And you know, people are much more formidable businessmen on their own than they are when it comes to the group. Because yeah, it's not it's not cool to figure out what you're doing. Yeah, you know? but that has kind of kept your content safe, and especially probably in the beginning, like you guys just cared about doing what you liked to do. Yeah, well, and also there was no. There was no selling out to be done. Yeah. I remember Dave had to miss a show once because he was doing a Coke ad. Oh. And that was like a big deal for all of us. And he needed the 2000 bucks or whatever. But yeah. it was like, you know, there was no – if we had done our show, say, in L.A. and then, you know, whoever uh, dropped down t- to see us and scooped one of us, you know, that could have been a thing. But we, we, we worked in such a – like a – it was like a comedy farm that there was no getting off the farm until till much later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and then you guys got to find yourselves, so it didn't get ruined by stuff. Yeah, and we still didn't know. I mean, we still had unbelievably, you know, I, I look back on uh, this, you know, it's like I wouldn't be on the cover of GQ because I wouldn't let them dress me. I wouldn't wear a suit. Uh, that was one of the rules I've always had. I kind of still have it, but it's like, <laughs> you can't, I won't wear your clothes. Yeah. It was like, the, the, but you the, did break the, that rule for Anne of Green Gables. Oh, I, yeah, I did. <laughs> but the, the, the president of Paramount or whoever was like calling me going, you know, what about this GQ thing? And it's like, no, I don't let uh, people. So just like all the <laughs> – poor Kevin, Dave, Scott, and Mark going, we want to be on GQ. Like, <laughs> why, why? And why? We'll so wear a suit. <laughs> there was a lot of that kind yeah. of stuff from all of us. 
Yeah. Mostly you, though. A lot for me. Like, <laughs> I, I even had a thing where we would do promos for our show. Mm-hmm. And, but I didn't think, because I'm a punk, I didn't think it was right to say watch our show. Because I thought if they want to watch our show, people should be able to watch our show. So I couldn't say watch our show. <laughs> right? How much am I to live with? And so I'd stand there, you know, my tartan shirt, same one I'm still wearing. And, and like all the other guys would go, hey, kids in the hall, 8 o'clock Thursday nights or whenever we were on. And it's like I'm just standing there. So how much fun is it? And you're like, for you make them? up your mind. Yeah. 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 So it was a lot of stuff like that. <laughs> you're very sassy. Yeah. So sort of the Grievo from Brain Candy, the this is bullshit, you people, like a little bit of that. A little bit. Comes from truth. Yeah. I remember we were having a conference call a couple of years ago. And then I think it was, I don't want to say who it was, but it was Scott Thompson. <laughs> um, he said, we're not trying to make money on these shows, are we? And it's like, well, it's also okay to make some money i mean we are a commercial enterprise yeah so well and we want to be able to keep doing it well that's part of it so (laughs) and you have to get your starter mansion your nails everything those wigs right (laughs) they're running up a lot of bills (laughs) those are real human and raccoon hair they're they're expensive expensive. (laughs) that doesn't just happen like most comedy groups, like because Vanessa and I have been in a lot of different improv mm-hmm. and sketch groups and things like that too. Most groups in general have a shelf life of like I don't know two years, three years if you're lucky. Five years is like pretty great. But you yeah. guys have been together on and off, but mostly on for, for six like years, six years <laughs> for like thirty years. So that that process is like pretty incredible. Um, what has kind of kept you guys coming back? Well, for me, it's also. I think when we were doing the show, we all thought that we would graduate mm-hmm. and there'd be all these, there'd be like Hollywood would open its doors and, you know, there'd all be all these other people that were just as amazing as each other, if not more. And I think we all, as everybody who's worked in a group like this, the SCTV gang, a lot of the Saturday Night Live people kind of have their asses kicked a little bit in, in their careers. I mean, I've done yeah. things, I've directed some stuff and developed a bunch of stuff and I'm writing a book that I think is great, but it's like, you know, I think we, we all got, get kicked around a little bit because mm-hmm. I think the thing we're best at is this weird thing that we do together in right. a sense. Yeah. So I think, I think we all, it was all hard for us to grow up and realize the place of the kids in the hall. Cause I was always the guy too, who was, I need three months off in the summer cause I'm doing a one man show, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, well, that's going to cost production a billion dollars. Well, I want to do a one-man show. And also, I'm not going to tell you to watch it, because yeah, if you want yeah, to, you're yeah. going to. <laughs> uh, probably the one-man show. Sassy I'd say, walk I'd away. Watch it. Um, but I think, I think it, we had to reconcile with ourselves that um, it was – it's a young man's game in a way. The name is horrible. Um, but I think now it's, it's like I just want to – for me, I want to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, and I think because we can. And I think – I think there was a part of there was a ten, there was a tense part probably around brain candy and, and post brain candy mm-hmm. and all that like where we needed each other and we didn't want to be with each other because we had to make all these decisions together. So now we're doing it only because we want to. Right? Yeah. And, but it is something that I only do with these guys, yeah. which is as valuable as anything I do. So that's for my own thing. I've decided that. So I'm the little ferret who goes. <laughs> Hey, what do you guys do on the 16th and 17th? Want to go to Boston on the 16th and 17th? It's like, why why, why the 16th and 17th? Okay, how about 17th, 18th? (laughs) Did you get my email? And I, so for me, um, getting older, kind of hopefully knowing more who I am, I don't get into that thing of like, why do I keep suggesting that we do stuff? Why doesn't somebody else do it? Mm. And so I think 
I think our egos have gone away and I think our internal competition have gone away because A, life's been hard for a lot of us yeah. and B, it's just hard. It's hard to, to get anybody to come to your show, to keep anything mm-hmm. together. So I think, I think we've been – I think we're arrogant but we've been humbled in some way with the reality of life which makes doing the thing we do a bit sweeter. Well, it's yes. like you guys have been long together long enough. It is kind of like a family dynamic in that as you age in your family too, like at some point your ego drops down and instead of like resenting your role, it feels like, hey, this is kind of who I am here, you know, and there's less, there's less mess around it of like, yeah, just kind of that frustration. Yeah. I, I think, and I, th- I think it's competition is gone. And, you know, I, whether you know or not, Scott Thompson had cancer mm-hmm. when we were doing our last miniseries, Death Comes to Town. And it was like, after we got through that, it was like, no, nothing's going to stop us now. Yeah. And, like, I like feeling like we're part of a blues tr- tradition or it's, you know, my friends, the Black Crows always talk about the river. They're just part of the river. They just keep going. Mm. They're just part of the river. And it's like the blues tradition. I mean, you know, obviously we're not, knocking down America on a tour. We're doing a few shows and we keep trying to do stuff, but I think we keep doing it because we're supposed to. Yeah. Right. So when you were, when you were doing the shows, um, back for, I guess, HBO is where it was kind of all over the place, but when you're doing the shows, what, um, what was the process? I mean, obviously you guys are all different writers, all wrote different things. How did you whittle down what you guys decided to actually film and stuff? Like, I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff that certain people fought for that didn't quite make the cut and that kind of stuff. You're talking to Scott about Scott again. Mm -hmm. Um, no, um, (laughs) well, we would all, we'd write in our own ways. I would write, I've had a writing assistant since then for almost 30 years would come over to my house at nine in the morning and we'd start writing or Norm Hiscock would come over. So, and we'd write or Mark and I would riff on something and I'd go away and write it and then he wouldn't like it and then he'd rewrite it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we'd all write in our own way, just almost like SNL in a sense or something. Then we'd have weekly read throughs. And then the the brilliant part was we had a producer, Cindy Parks uh, would go off and John Blanchard, our director and pick the material. Mm. And then we would go, I don't want to do that one. I want to do that one. It's like, you're really, you're doing that one about the troll. I can't believe you're doing that. <laughs> and then somebody would freak out that they weren't represented. And then we'd ultimately, and we'd sort of trade things and say, I'd rather do that film instead of that film. And especially with the films, cause they were sort of coveted, uh, the live stuff, not so much. Yeah. And it's even now how we do a show. It's like, Oh, how are we going to get Mark from chicken lady to this, this new broke back mountain scene? Okay. So we have to, so Bruce needs to do a solo. It's mm-hmm. like so, and then it becomes sort of the architecture of moving, you know, just moving pieces around. Well, how did you find your director and producer? Because that's a huge jo- like responsibility to give them in terms of curating your show. Well, and but. especially because we don't trust anyone. We yeah. don't trust anyone who isn't us, and we don't trust us. So it's like you just have to. We got lucky. You have to yeah. be impeccable. Um, and that person ends, ends up getting burnt out because they get, they get it from all sides. I can't imagine because you guys all seem like from the outside alphas in terms of very clear voices. You know, it doesn't seem like there's a pack leader um, other than no, you there, because there I'm isn't. talking to you. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I tend to spearhead some of the business stuff, yeah. especially at this point. But I'm more the organizational, but creatively, no, not yeah. at all. So, yeah, it's always been you know, how do we decide what we're going to do? And it's even as we sat and figured out what brain candy was going to be, it's like, that could have been a different movie if we'd just been in a different mood yeah. that day. So when we're all together, not writing stuff that we brought in, it mm-hmm. can be very mercurial where, what we're going to do, yeah. you know, and which was kind of interesting because the, the shows we're doing now were based on uh, sort of an old concept, which is in December we went to Toronto and we did uh, 
I called it five, five, five. We did a, uh, we rehearsed for five days. We did a, five shows in a 500 seat theater. So it was like, we worked like we used to in mm. the old days, like show up. You've kind of got some stuff written. So you're cheating, yeah. you beat it up, you work and then you throw it on stage and then you change it and people are freaking out and then you change it the next night. And then you sort of toughen material that way. And that's almost the most fun because the best idea is going to rise really quickly and the bad one is going to be like, oh, really? You want to do that one again? I didn't think it worked so well. <laughs> and so I love the fast-moving thing of that. So yeah. we would always obviously bring our things in, but once once you do a show, there's, you know, it's clear what you should what should keep and what should go away, you know? Right. So long before you and I became friends through Sketchfest and the whole thing, my lovely wife, Jenny, uh, one is Gavin for Halloween one year. Uh, it's always been a favorite character of ours. Where did where did Gavin come from? Well, he actually is, and this is probably the only time I've ever sort of had a character in my brain that was like, I wrote I wrote that first Gavin sketch. It was like, as Mark wrote, I think the first Chicken Lady sketch was just like, you just wrote line, 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 never rewrote it. It was just hmm. perfect, or not perfect, it was complete. And he was actually a kid, I remember seeing... Uh, when I was a kid at our cottage who would come up and just talk to me and my dad when we were building the <laughs> So I think that was the only time it's like, and I didn't even realize it as I was writing it. I realized later, hey, that was just like that kid who did that thing. Oh, my gosh. So he was an actual person. I don't think there's been other actual people that I've ever created something for. Like, oh, that's him. You know? Well, you knew a flying pig. I am a flying pig. I <laughs> <laughs> um, forgot to mention that. Y- yeah. So generally it's just like, oh, why am I doing what I'm doing? Oh, yeah, Kathy, the secretary, is kind of my sister. And then you sort of realize it later. But I'm I'm a different writer. Like, Scott is obsessed with his characters. He thinks they actually pay taxes. and <laughs> I, It's like I'm a writer first. So it's like the character thing. It's like, oh, that is a character. Oh, you know, like Cabbage Head isn't a character. It's just like me talking a certain way. So, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know, you know, it, it, where other stuff comes from in terms of it could be someone you know or something. Well... Speaking of Kathy and your women in general, I mean, I don't think anyone does like men playing women as well as kids in the hall. And then I think that you're the strongest too. And that of the, like nailing it and never making fun of women. Like it's a character independent of that. It's not about, I'm wearing a wig and a dress. And did you have a specific approach when you guys started talking about, well, we're going to be playing all the girls. Like, were there any discussions about how you'd approach playing women? Oh, it was, we had actual fights about really. And I was, Again, just being stubborn for I, – I wouldn't wear breasts. I wouldn't wear fake breasts because I said that's not what – that's not the essence. A woman isn't her breasts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but they're nice too. Um, and so it was like – I think it was weird because when we've, we used to – we used to have like one wig and one piece of string of pearls that we would do when we first started when, mm-hmm. when doing light costumes. And it's like, oh, who's going to play the woman? Oh, you, we can't have two women because we only have one wig. And so <laughs> you just do a woman. You kind of like, ah. Uh, so you, it was like woman light. So you'd have to perform it. And then I think we all enjoyed doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was the last in on that stuff. And then when we went to TV, that was one of those things where when we went to TV, there was all this, we lost our minds because like, do we wear makeup? Yeah. Do we, do we, we look like women? I mean, we are women. So I think we started in the correct way, which was we we're trying to do the essence of women. Mm-hmm. And then when we went on to TV, obviously you have to wear nail polish and yeah. high heels and all that stuff. Um, but it was, it was, it was tough. It was tough to figure out and being like the dirtiest feminist you've ever met. It was, the weird conversations we would have mm-hmm. about feminism. Yeah. And 
we're feminists, but we're pussy hounds. So it's like it's like a terrible <laughs> cur- curvy line. And so we talked about it a lot, you know, well, I more think- than a lot of other things, probably more than like talking about comedy and the rule really? of threes we hardly ever talked about yeah. comedy we might go that's better than that or that goes on too long or you're going past a natural ending or i don't like you this one but we wouldn't talk about well actually the premise laugh is when he walks in mm-hmm. no no the premise laugh is actually when we see the watch you know, we never <laughs> talk like that so well i was re-watching a lot of sketches just to have everything more fresh and it's funny because in the years since i started watching them i've started you know looking at comedy differently because i'm performing it more and writing and doing sketches stuff so like watching it as an adult is different than as a kid and i was thinking so much about the woman stuff because the punchline is just never that you're a girl and the writing is just as strong between those two characters but you don't feel like you were technically like doing women you knew uh a little bit like i thought as i say kathy was kind of my sister you know we would do there was girls in the office who it really felt like they had a like a bubbly kind of hopeful spirit yeah. and then you know <laughs> I had a lot of girlfriends. Yeah. You know. They're so. just all so vulnerable. The women are so vulnerable. <laughs> it makes you kind of afraid and excited for them. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting because you can, you can be, for some reason, I can, I can fi- be more soulful more easily as a woman. Me too. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I think in performing and like, yeah, performing Kathy is fun mm-hmm. and I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't do Cabbage Head anymore because it just isn't fun. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of, I do a lot of aggressive things that are still fun but Mm -hmm. i don't know there is something that you can kind of honor their sweetness without being you know too sucky about it yeah i think well there's like you know there's the old monty python way of doing women which is like this you know the the shrill falsetto well and that the punchline is is i'm a man dressed as a woman just like a woman thing so like there's that coming up and that was like you know late 70s or whatever and then um, and then it really was like you guys at first were like, oh, look, you can play woman without making it a joke yeah. <laughs> that you're being a woman. It's just a character. Like the but- sketch stands on its own. You could yeah. see two women perform this. This sketch is a sketch that be- could be written for two women, yeah. but you have five men in the troupe. So someone's got to play them and you guys play them incredibly well. So congratulations on that. Thank it's amazing. You. Thanks for that. Yeah. From a lady's point of view. It is really nice. And one thing I've noticed with, with a lot of your stuff is music plays a much bigger role in a lot of the stuff you do than the rest of the kids. Uh, especially with your monologues that you do in the right. live sets and stuff like that too. Um, I'm assuming you, you know you you were a big music head all through co- you know high school and college and that kind of stuff. How did you bring that to your comedy? Well, it's weird because rock and rock and comedy really shouldn't work. I mean, obviously Jack Black does the whole a huge version yeah. of of rock and comedy in a perfect way right. you know, with a D. Um, I think it's because I I didn't respect comedy growing up. I didn't I didn't watch Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch whatever those people were going through I, like i only was into what i was into and i was i was a punk in the both bath the best and the worst way like i didn't know what i was doing but i knew what i was doing you know? so, <laughs> but i i was sort of f- i think fearless in that way and so that's why i think i brought music to things because it was always i'm i'm a director like what's cooler what's cooler than playing lust for life when you're walking out to do stand-up what's mm-hmm. cooler than doing you know so cool and all my friends were in bands, right? The guys in the Shadowy Men from a Shadowy Planet are two years older than me. And they were my idols. Mm. And they were like, those guys are so cool. <laughs> and I knew I was never going to be in a band. So it was something about the visceral energy of it that I think I was – that I was, because I was like – I was a loser. Like all my friends were in bands. I drank. I loved music, but I wasn't picking up an instrument. Mm-hmm. So And they were older. So I was becoming this little thing before Lurky I found thing. comedy. And it was like – so I think I – I wanted to bring that 
somehow to our thing without even knowing it. And physically, you know, Brian Connolly, who, you know, performs with me, performs my one-man mm-hmm. show with me, who is the, sh- the Shadow Man guitarist, he, it was his music. It's them. They're, so they were our friends. And of course, every group is like, it's five of us, but it's the other writers. It's Gary Campbell and Norm Hiscock and other people, Brian Hart, who come with us from, and we gather and it's the band and it's the other people and it's a producer. So all of our sensibility is is formed, but the shadowy man and those guys really imprinted us and wow. still do. And the theme song's absolutely amazing. It's, uh, I mean, it, it's a very closely associated with you guys is the music that shadowy man does on the show. Like, was that a piece that they wrote specifically for you guys or did they have it? And you're like, please let us use that as your theme. No, I think it was like that or another one. I mean, it was clear to us cause they had played with us when we had done stuff. Um, and it was clear that there was going to be our music. Mm-hmm. And at Lauren at first said, you know, that's stripper music. I don't know really about it. I don't like it. Nah. Really. And so, no, no, this is going to be our music. But I think it was, I don't even know how that one ended up. There was another one that we were thinking of using, but you know, and then through throughout the tapings, they would play live with us, and that was always the best part of the taping. Like, they'd make a giant shell hmm. playing live, and then the next time there'd be like a half a weird theme that you know uh, of some other kind. It's like they're they were the show more than than we were the show. Yeah, they're amazing, and just the kind of surf guitar vibe that almost almost Dick Dale ish that they have, and uh, it's just amazing. And now when I do I do a show now, I travel around Young Drunk Punk with with Brian Connolly, and it's like. It's a lot about growing up and being a punk and all that. But there's the guy who I've known since I was 14. Oh, my gosh. He's playing his big gretch. And it's like, you know, it's the same as being on, the, uh, on, on stage with the kids now. It's like, fuck, have we been doing this a long time? Yeah, and, and how great is that? Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Well, that ties in with the first question. So okay. let's go ahead and Shall do that. We? we do this every, uh, every episode. It's a different first from life. Uh, what was the first instrument you ever owned? And did you get good at it at all? Um. Well, actually, the first instrument I owned is my daddy's bass, which Aww. is which is a Beatle bass, one of those Hofners, oh, wow. huh. um, which I still have in storage. Um, <laughs> and I got serviceable on it, just good enough to, to thump out the Daves I know. When did I, you start like learning to play it? About 13, 14. Yeah. yeah. Wow, this was a big time for you. This was the same as football trophy. God, you were coming into yourself. That's right. <laughs> and then I had sex with my teacher. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> How about you, Vanessa? What was your first instrument? I really wanted to play the drums. There was a piano in the house, but my sister played it. I wasn't good, um, so I don't consider that mine. And then we had to take some test, like a music aptitude test at our school. And this sounds like a brag, but it ends up not being a brag. I got a really good like hearing comprehension. Like I don't know how they tested, but I could understand the notes well or something. I scored well on this test, and they made me play the oboe <laughs> because they said you had to be oh, good no. at it. So the oboe was my first double read not an easy thing to start out on yeah nice i quit pretty quickly i've never really been able to pick up much instrument wise i had like a real crappy little like yay big casio keyboard Uh thing that had like that demo oh yeah old one yeah and uh so you would just like pick one of those five programmed beats and then just sort of play over it you can make it serviceable it sounded okay but i was never very good at it I mean, the only actual real instrument that I own is a violin that I bought for a bit uh, with my sketch group that Janet was in. Get <laughs> it. <laughs> I, I was in college. I didn't really have any money. And uh, we had this idea for this bit, which we actually used for years, so it ended up being worth it, where 
we're actually watching that concert. The this, this, this is going to sound weird, but it was the 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 post nine eleven tribute to heroes concert yeah. with all these different bands, and the Dixie Chicks were on it, and they were doing a song, and then they went to play the the solos, and all of a sudden we just kind of started chuckling. Like, wouldn't it be funny if they just couldn't play those instruments? It's a right. somber occasion. <laughs> so uh, I bought a violin, and uh, Dave had a trumpet because he could play trumpet. Janet could, is great on guitar and can sing beautifully. Uh, and Gabe, can't just she gave do? a harmonica too. So what we did is we would open our shows, they would announce us, and we'd come up very somber, and Janet would start playing Helpless by Neil Young. Very seriously, we would sing like the harmonies with her because I'm a decent singer as well. So we would do that. And then when it came time to do the solos very somberly, we, we just couldn't play. I would just screech slowly on the thing and they would just blat on the stuff. And it always got this big laugh because we would go just far enough into the song that people were like, wait, they're just, are they just they're playing just a song? This? And I'm, okay. And then we would hit that. So it was like one of those, like, it was like 75 bucks on eBay and worth every penny and but priceless at the at same the time, time i was like i don't know i mean this is gonna sit in my closet for no reason because i'm not gonna make myself play it i'll learn how to play it badly but that's about it <laughs> so yeah i just i wish i had taken up a like an instrument when i was a kid because it's so hard to pick things up when you're older and every time just I try because it, of arthritis yeah just literally pick it up <laughs> well, dementia yeah, yeah oh too. yeah that combo is no good for a new instrument <laughs> but every time i try to like sit down and learn guitar i just can't i can't do it i can't make it work and oh well, there's so and what i and i i could i think that was the tyranny of having older friends there's so many amazing guitarists i know why bother it's so discouraging right? and you know in, in this world as i give advice to young comedians like <laughs> do what only you can do for me, it ain't playing guitar, yeah. you know, and it was playing bass just enough to have to do four or five songs to get, and same with you, it sounds like. Yeah, it was mm. for a purpose, for a sketch, but yeah. not, to just, <laughs> not to try to annoy people at parties, not, <laughs> none of that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do a little my, my little segment, which okay. is going to be this time. It's going to be build the ultimate concert. Okay, if we were to put together an amazing weekend long musical festival oh, with bands or artists from it's already shitty weekend any long. decade, <laughs> my feet hurt. <laughs> People, you can come and go as you please. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, so it's, a, it's like a you know, so a bunch of bands can play this. And Living, it's not too sunny. It's not too sunny. It's a nice weather out. Yeah. Uh, Living or dead from any era. We, let's just build what we would think would be the ultimate concert. We can each add parts to it, bands or artists that we would want to see. Bernadette Peters. <laughs> really? She's starting out on stage, honey. <laughs> Doing the odd couple as a monologue. That seems weird. She's not taking you seriously. That's, that's incorrect. She's got a voice for the ages. She can sing. She can be in the band. Well, wh- what would be the best for me to see would be the very young Rolling Stones. Ooh. Just to see what that, that shook out like. Like, what, really, what did that look like? Yeah. You know? So, the very young Rolling Stones. Okay, so they're there. Uh, I would add the band um, from like just before Winterland final concert stuff because they're pretty amazing musically. I would add them. Can I add beautiful young Elvis? Sure. Oh, why not? Beautiful young Elvis. Why not? Um, I guess it's up to me. I'm gonna. I'd like. Well, I'd like to see a big rock. You know, the first rock concert I actually saw was Deep Purple. So I love. <gasps> I love that legacy so i don't know who the big like i don't know who's the perfect like mountain or somebody <laughs> like that who are just gigantic rock people um and i actually and i saw actually uh t-rex too late in their life Aww. so i would have liked to see a young mark yeah Bowen mark Bowen. Well. yeah that'd be cool because it wasn't good when i saw it yeah at the calgary corral oh yeah, sorry. that's horrible too when you have it in your head how it's gonna be and yeah. then you're like oh no time happened 
too much time. I would add Aladdin, Sane, Era, David Bowie. Oh, good, badass. good ad. I'm going to add Genuine Circa Pony. <laughs> you know that song? Bow, Genuine? Bow, bow, bow. Yeah. It's a very eclectic musical. <laughs> well, I want to keep it varied so no, people are happy. That makes sense. God. That's fair. <laughs> Thanks. That's fair. Anybody else you want to add to this soiree? Yeah, I'm going to add Frank Zappa, but he's not allowed to come on stage and perform. So he's just, <laughs> he's just in the wings. Just hanging out. Just hanging maybe out. like drinking milkshakes, smoking cigarettes, waiting to get on, but he doesn't get on. I want Judy Garland with him. <laughs> Those two just drinking. And then I want a food truck with gluten-free options. I'll add uh, Iggy Pop, but he's made to wear a shirt the entire time. Thank you. And he's just like, he's just constantly fussing with it. <laughs> and he doesn't like it. Everyone um, gets a free hat. <laughs> really? I just we don't have listen, the budget. We tied up all our money and sunny and dusty. Oh my god! Whoa! A free it's hat, a bag, and slushy. Thanks, Oprah. <laughs> Oprah's there. I would pay for that. Oprah in concert. Sure. She's never done. She's just that. singing standards. What's she doing? Yeah, she's doing standards. Oh my gosh, she has a big gown on. I would really like that. Baby faces on the keys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's a good concert. And me and my little Casio keyboard (laughs) hitting the demo and holding it up to the mic. (laughs) The close evening down, four and a half hour set. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, pretty much. What's the what's the best concert you've ever been to, Bruce? If you had to pick one. Um Well, one of the best concerts I've seen recently was Mavis Staples I saw about five years ago. Oh, that'd be amazing. Five years ago. She's so amazing. She was 75 years old. Oh, my God. She fucking knocked it out. Where did you see her? Uh, here at the like, university mm-hmm. little theater. And it's like, and then she goes, kind of, we have CDs for sale in the lobby. Oh. She's still selling her CDs. Oh, and it's my like, gosh. that was, um, I think, yeah. And the old ones are all just old rock ones. That's a good new one. It's the future of Kids in the Hall. You guys are 75. You got a merch booth. Yeah, we got a merch booth. <laughs> Check out the merch booth. <laughs> okay, Ooh, this they is... still press things? This is weird. <laughs> have you ever met an Olsen twin? I have five questions. This is number one. Uh, no, but I, I, I... One of my best friends is Ernie Grunwald, who used to work on their one of their earlier TV shows. Which TV show? The, when they were little teeny kitties. Like, not Full House, but one of their dual star productions? Yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh! Yeah. Did he yeah. say they were just wonderful? I think he said they were they were pretty nice. That <sighs> they worked pretty hard and everything. They did. Yeah, they built a empire. An empire. I didn't know right. I was going to use a vowel after I said a. So then I had to backtrack. So they don't act anymore. No, they don't well, need their to. They're billionaires. Does. They're opening a store on Melrose. You guys. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Pretty big. What do you do when you're a billionaire? Oh, I'll just have a little store on. Oh, Melrose. that store. It's called Dive Bar. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Okay, uh, if you could live for three years No, not could, had to As one of your characters, who would you live as? Um, I guess I would live I don't even know the character's name He's cool, he's hip, he's 45 Because <laughs> then it's like You just get to like have your Asian girlfriend come over And your wife doesn't mind <laughs> A $90 appetizer that's a really good choice. Yeah, that's you've, very you've made a choice for comfort. Yes. I appreciate yeah. that. Okay. If you could form a rock band with four actors and, or comics that you've worked with, who would you choose? And what would you call the band? Rock band? Why do I have to do a fucking rock band? It doesn't band? have to be a rock band. Um, it can also be R&B. Uh, <laughs> well, I would, I would do something with Will Ferrell because he's so fun. And his dad is in ta- Tower of Power. Um, so it would be Will Ferrell. Well, why not just do Will Ferrell, Jack Black, and 
um, to somebody else who's... Um, pick a real firecracker. I'm going to pick a firecracker. <laughs> um, I can't think of someone. That's it. That's it. Why do you need more? You've got that much star power? We're, we're a triumvirate. Why do we need more? Yeah. You killed the other guys. Yes. <laughs> what do you call yourselves? Triumvirate. Oh, yeah. beautiful. <laughs> I would buy that album so many times. <laughs> um, okay. This is a, like I'm winking at you while I'm saying yeah. it. I heard you're writing a movie called Catsplosion. And most of the kids in the hall are in it, as well as a few unexpected cameos. Yes. Can you tell us a bit about it? Well, it's called Catsplosion. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't know much about it. We know it's going to be 89 minutes long with a very long <laughs> kale credit sequence. Perfect. Good, 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 um, good. And it's actually about the auto-oppression war. I mean, when um, we pitched it, like, everybody was really happy, Catsplosion. Yeah. You know, it was like, we're going to blow up some cats, right? Right. <laughs> People don't like cats. And it's like, no, there's nothing to do with actual cats in it. It's about the Russian uh, it's sort of Brechtian in that way. Yeah, and but it's hard to to whittle it down to, to get it in in the eighty nine minutes that I've contractually described to you. Oh my gosh! Well, good luck. I can't wait to show up for that one. And this is your final question: You've angered a wizard, and he's giving you a choice between two punishments. Yeah. Either you sit forever on a bejeweled toilet that can wheel around, but you can never get up. Right. Ever, not from meeting anything, or one of your legs is lopped off. And surgically sewn up, but you have only one leg. Oh, of course, you go with the one leg. You can do tremendous things. I mean, you can this even. This is very inspiring. Even you, you can work in McDonald's with one leg. I mean, you can you do. You can do tremendous things. With one leg, so it would be that. You could also be a motivational speaker. I mean, look what you've gone. Yeah, through. you tell the story of how a wizard lopped off your leg, and you chose and that. I, and I don't even know why. Maybe I, I would get the backstory if that happened to me. You offended him. Um, I offended him somehow. <laughs> um, that could be okay. Thank you. That yeah. was a really sweet answer. Yeah. yeah, you can make it through with that. You could do it. Pretty sweet. So you're you're working on a book right now. Yeah. Uh, Eighty nine pages. Books <laughs> are hard. They're yeah, long. Yeah. They're tough. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it's going to be out in uh, October in Canada, and I don't know when, when in America, but at some point in America. Awesome. How awesome, long awesome. have you been like germinating on this? Um, I've been working on it for about a year and a half. Yeah. I started writing pieces for a couple magazines in Canada, and then it was the, almost the only time a cynical thing worked. I said, I'm doing a one-man show in Toronto. I'm going to invite publishers and sell a book. And it worked. Wow. It never hey. works. I love it. And so I did that, and I sold a book, and then I been writing weird pieces about my life and a little bit about kids in the hall but a bit surreal and then yeah so i just just finished finished it super exciting nice and uh you're doing some shows with the kids around uh you're also doing some solo stuff here and there right yeah i've been doing a lot in canada um and i but i want i'm gonna do some stuff in the states i'm gonna do a show with through sketch fest um so i'm hoping to do the west coast uh in, in maybe september sort of um but yeah, so I just because I've done a show that I quite like with Brian Connolly in uh, Canada, and uh, I'm going to do that in America when I get a chance now. That's awesome, and you get to work with so many cool musicians and some of the stuff you've done. Like Craig Northey's amazing too, and, uh, and and you know Nico as well, right? Yeah, um, her so her new record is fantastic. She's so cool. How do you meet them? Do you approach them? You just stand in a bar. 
<laughs> dive bar? Yeah, yeah, you stand in dive bar. And you wait. <laughs> <laughs> that one's on me. Hi. <laughs> I've been so, waiting. <laughs> sorry, guys. Another light night. People here. I don't know. Maybe the theme didn't work for them. Uh, uh, oh, do you residual checks? No? Uh, all right. Well, Bruce, thanks for coming on. You did uh, it. He made it all the way through the podcast, you guys. Wow, a podcast. I'm part of the podcast people. You're That's part right. of it. Yeah. We are here with our glowy eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> so look for, uh, look for him on tour. Look for his book. Uh, if you're in Canada in October or later, if you're in the States, in Brazil, I don't know. Figure it out. They do. <laughs> They're resourceful there. They are. They have to be. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at PMC Podcast. I'm at Cole Stratton. I'm at Vanessa Raglan. Thank you guys for listening, and thanks for being here, Bruce. I have no internet strategy. You don't need one, honey. <laughs> you got a life strategy. <laughs> Click. Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at popmyculturepodcast.com. And follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>